salespeople think of marketing as lead gen. Like, marketing means getting leads in my inbox. But I think we have to appreciate the fact that marketing is a bit more. Um, when it comes to what sort of role did marketing play, like a huge role, we could have done anything without marketing. We could have hired anybody without marketing. We would have gotten no PR without marketing. We would, would not have been able to go to any events without marketing. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their Hello, and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast. We've all read plenty of super duper success stories of companies going to a new market, taking it by storm and watching growth numbers go through the roof. But anyone who has ever tried market expansion knows that it's not that easy. So we wanted to talk to someone about the realities of international expansion. What is it really like? What does it take to make it? And hopefully hear some honest stories from someone who's been there, done it and succeeded. Luckily, we managed to convince the VP of Sales Operations at Lidu Technologies, Teemu Ilola, to tell us about Lidu's internationalization process. Um, Lidu is a Finnish SaaS company that has grown to a plus six million euro in RR since they started in 2018. Even last year, with everything that is happening in the world, they grew 40%, so that is fantastic. Teemu himself has been with Lidu almost from the start, so he has seen Lidu's amazing growth journey up close. So, without further ado, enjoy this episode on lessons on international expansion from Teemu Ilola and Lidu Technologies. Hello Teemu and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, I'm doing all right. It's been a, it's been a productive day, so that's good. Okay, I'm glad we're we're getting you on a good day. So this might not go so well if you're you were having a really crappy day today. So I'm glad. It's it's a rare it's rare to catch me on a good day, but this is one of them. So oh, we're lucky, lucky. ones. Fantastic. Yes. So okay, let's go to the topic of the day. We're gonna be talking about your internationalization process that you guys are have been doing or continue to do at Lidu. So yeah. um. Let's start with the big picture. Give us kind of a overview of the Lidu's international expansion so far. What was what was the situation at Lidu when you started? When was that? What kind of markets you started with? Kind of the main story and then we'll ask you more detailed questions after that. All right, so the main story around the internationalization, I guess, was when we got our first investment round in, in Q2, Q3 of 2019, so a few years ago. And obviously that money was supposed to be spent on going abroad and growing, uh, which we did. Uh, and we chose UK and Sweden as the first markets to go to, which are still kind of our core markets alongside Finland. And uh, yeah, what else would you like to know? So hold on, uh, you... you you went to a new market in 2019 or you that's when the decision was made we went there immediately we made a decision and then we booked flights and then we left oh brilliant so, so that was a year after lidu was founded right that's yes. very quickly yes 
we're quick. <laughs> so we had, we had good growth in Finland. We had, I don't remember anymore, but I think we had a couple of hundred clients already in Finland. And we saw that it was working. We got the investment and we started, we started going abroad. <laughs> so was that, um, uh, you, you, you weren't at the you weren't at Lido at the very beginning, but I think you joined very quickly. Um, was it two thousand and nineteen as well? Yeah, I joined April twenty nineteen. Uh, I think I was employee number nineteen or something. So we weren't too big back then. And then I was in AE for a few months, and I started building out stuff like sales playbooks and stuff like that. And then the guys wanted to reward me and send me to the UK to open up our UK branch. So that was a, uh, that was quick. Yes. <laughs> that was a big, okay. Can we unpack the big picture here a bit? So um, what was yes. your, what was your strategy and how did you decide which country to go first? Um, I think Sweden is the country that most Finnish companies choose anyway, because somebody just speaks Swedish and somebody knows somebody and we can kind of get going that way. Um, and that's probably the story with Lido as well. I wasn't actually not as much involved with Swedish opening as with the UK, but I think there was a few kind of things that we did in the beginning. So we checked the market in terms of like, whether there are any big competitors, if there is a market for us, if there's so like sorts of companies that we want to target even exist. And so on, and if, if they exist, are they using anybody at the moment or not? And based on those, that research, we chose Sweden and, and the UK. And obviously those were chosen also for the language factory that we can speak the languages. So it kind of eliminates the need of hiring somebody immediately that and doing everything in a language that we don't understand at all. Um, so it sounds like you, there was language and then there was the potential that you saw in the market. But obviously, as you mentioned already, there was that investor money that was supposed to yeah. get you to to other markets as well so kind of three yeah. aspects to your can we call it strategy you can call it strategy <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch um but let's call it a strategy it sounds better okay <laughs> so it sounds like uh you guys did some market research in the markets before you went there um am i reading you correctly Yes, that is very well said. We did some market research, uh, not not a thorough one. I think we could have done better. Um, would have saved saved us some time. Um, but I think just looking back and just knowing what we're like as a company, I think we would have chosen the same markets anyway. So we just went with it, really. Um, but we did some initial research, and we kind of concluded that, for example, the UK is not like full of competitors in the sense of like the the companies we want to target. We're not selling to enterprise as much, but more like SMB and mid-market. They weren't using any providers like us at that point, and they're still not that much. So in that sense, the market was good. In other senses, we should have done a bit more research when it comes to the actual industries we wanted to target and so on of how they are, how they behave and so on. That wasn't done. Um, so we went there and we figured it out on the ground. Well, that's one way of doing it. <laughs> It works. It takes a while, but it works. Okay, we'll we'll get to. Um, I want to talk about UK a little bit in more depth, um, yeah. if that's okay. But before we get to that, were there some 
idiosyncrasies in these different markets um, that baffled you or you wish you had known before you went there? <laughs> There's a lot that I wish I knew before we went there. Um, uh, I think especially with the UK, it's just that we didn't fully appreciate how different the market is overall, like how different people are, how they behave, how hard it is to even get a hold of somebody, how they behave in terms of like when you cold call them, when you meet them, when you try to sell to them, once you've sold to them and so on. There's a, there's a big, big difference between the Nordics and the UK. But there are pretty big differences with Finland and Sweden as well um, when it comes to the kind of decision-making processes and all that. So and the kind of... I guess the story we tell about Swedish people just discussing everything before they make a decision is actually pretty true. It's not just a joke. And I don't think we fully appreciated that either, but we've we figured it out, so that's good. <laughs> so what 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 is the difference uh in terms of the decision making process? You did mention Sweden there, but how about in the yeah. UK? How is it actually different to, to Finland? You can imagine selling to Finnish SMBs. They're quite often very kind of owner-led. Um, like there's the founder or an owner that kind of runs the business as well. And if they get excited about something or they decide they want something, they should buy it. And they don't ask anybody. They they can buy a marketing tool without speaking to marketing and then let marketing know that I bought this for you. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Um, especially in Sweden, where if the CEO wants to buy something, they invite marketing, sales, customer support, support function, all back office, everybody's operation. They're all included. They all need to agree. They all need to see to believe it. But the good thing is when they do agree, then they actually like properly mentally sign up for it as well. So once they've made a decision, they take the tools into use as well. Um, think better than Finnish people. Finnish people might just buy something and forget that they bought it. And then in a year, they're like, never used this. And that's weird. And then in the UK, nobody wants to be the first, but nobody wants to be the last either. So if their neighbor is using it or their kind of biggest competitor is using it, they need it too. But if their competitor is not using it, they're going to say, nobody's using it. I don't care. And they don't care about Finnish references. They don't care about Swedish references. They don't even care about Irish references. It needs to be somebody very close to them, very similar to them to believe. And uh, overall, I think the decision-making process is typically a bit more, that's the right word for this. It's a, a bit more professional, let's put it that way. And they put a bit more thought into what they're actually doing. Can I just ask a question about the tactics, how you actually did the market research? Did you actually did cold calling or surveys or how did you guys go about, like physically go about? I think the uh, biggest part of the market research was, well, basically just studying the market in terms of like, for example, LinkedIn and seeing what, how many companies in each category with different filters and so on, like, is there a big potential? And then we simply just looked at their websites of what they do in terms of, do they use some sort of a conversion tool, chat tool, anything on the page? And pretty much nobody did, which led us to think that this is probably a good market for us because we, we're going to be able to create the market. There's not much competition in there. So that was the majority of the 
uh, research. And now if anybody's listening to this episode that actually does market research, yes, I know that's not market research, but that's what we did. Um, can we talk about um, maybe UK specifically, since you went <laughs> to open that market and then, you know, talking to you earlier, I've understood that. Uh, you guys are actually doing pretty okay uh, or even well in the UK at the moment. Um, very well. Very well. Pre not pretty well. Very, very well. well. Very well. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So um, can you uh, walk us through, just give give us, you know, concrete examples. You, you went there, you hit the ground running. What did you try? What kind of tactics did you try? Um, how did you actually w went about setting up uh, the market and trying to get customers there? I think this is a pretty normal startup story that we went there and we opened up an office and we started hiring people and tried to sell. Like we didn't really have a very good plan, really, back then. I think it's fair to say that. Um, it worked out one way or the other uh, eventually. But we did make some mistakes when it comes to hiring and processing and tools and prospecting and everything. And we've kind of learned on the go and learned by failing at things and then changed direction pretty quickly. Um, but at the moment, I think when it comes to the UK market, it's the best run market when it comes to from kind of prospecting the right ICP com companies and people to how we go about booking the meetings, to how we go about conducting the whole sales process and then handing it over to our onboarding and to our customer success and so on. And I think it's just because we've had to learn so much while we've been doing it that it's now pretty pretty well oiled in that sense and now it works. I think it's the best performing team in the company at the moment. Um, do you have like you said, it, it sounds like a very typical uh, startup story going okay. to the market. I, I, I do wonder if you think that, um, okay, hind, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I do wonder if you think that um, uh, that was that you had expensive learning lessons there or you could have done it uh, faster or, or differently. Or are you, now that you look at it, you do you think that that's the way it went, that's the way it, you know, there's nothing, we, we don't need to worry about that anymore. We don't need to worry about that anymore. <laughs> it's done, it's done. What we've, what's done is done. And it, I'm not saying it didn't go well, like from the beginning, we, I think during the first year ish, we ended up, I don't remember where, but we had a target of signing up hundred new clients during the first year and we got pretty close. So like we did some right calls as well and it worked out and like if we could have done it quicker or better probably um would we have believed if somebody told us that we're doing it wrong maybe not mm. um would i do things differently now yes but obviously we need to learn that first to get there and we're a bunch of young people that wanted to go to the uk and open it up and it worked out at the end of the day. So I, I'm not like, I don't think we need to regret anything or anything like that. It's just like next time we open up a new market, I think we have a better plan. Okay. Fair enough. That was my question actually going to be that 
going to new markets, what is your next plan yeah. or how are you going to actually utilize the information that you already have? But we're going to come, come back, come back to, that. to that. Yeah. Um, okay. Can I, can I ask a um, tiny bit about the marketing? Because we are doing a marketing podcast here. Um, yeah. So what kind of role yeah. did the marketing actually play at going to these markets? That's a good question. I think us in terms of I'm categorizing myself in like as a salesperson, salespeople think of marketing as lead gen, like marketing means getting leads in my inbox. But I think we have to appreciate the fact that marketing is a bit more. Um, Thank, you really sense this is... Thank you for that. Thank you. We appreciate it. Good. So <laughs> when it comes to all the kind of basic like positioning, having any sort of material, having a website, would we have been able to build a website just as sales guys? No. <laughs> <laughs> like marketing is just a bit more than just just the leads so we when it comes to what sort of role did marketing play like a huge role we couldn't have done anything without marketing we couldn't have hired anybody without marketing we would have gotten no PR without marketing we would would not have been able to go to any events without marketing a huge role um, and then taking it back to what I said in the beginning about lead generation, I think we didn't do that much in the beginning because nobody in the UK had ever heard about us. Mm. So we had some kind of you know, basics to do first about only like existing there, getting even any case that a local client, figuring out who we want to sell to and so on. So that took a while. Um, but I don't think anything would have worked out without marketing. Would you say uh, your sales and marketing were pretty well aligned uh, going to these markets? I think pretty well is pretty fair to say. Um, <laughs> could always be better. Um, I don't think we've ever been very good at information flow from sales to marketing. I think when it comes to kind of we're targeting and what sort of material we need and what sort of webinars we want to produce and all that stuff. I think marketing and sales are pretty well aligned. I think what was lacking in the beginning was like when we were speaking to clients, we were cold calling people, we were meeting people, feeding that back to marketing wasn't optimal in the beginning. Could have been a lot better. I think it could have saved us some time as well from that side. But yeah, pretty well aligned. <laughs> Such a finished way of putting it. It's pretty okay. It's hmm. decent. It also yeah, it's sounds. Decent. It also sounds like a British way of putting things. You know, it's pretty okay. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so, um, what's the marketing setup like at the moment? Then, does every country have their own marketing team, or is marketing centrally operated from from Finland? Both. So, centrally operated, like. Um, we have our CMO is in Finland running running the show from Finland. We're hiring a head of marketing as well. Doesn't need to be in Finland. So there's a bit of a shout out for anybody in, in marketing listening to this. We're looking for a head of marketing. Um, but then we have local resources as well um, for all the markets, basically. Some of them are kind of full-time employees and some of them maybe 50% marketing, 50% something else. But we have like a local resource for each each market that will then that are responsible then for kind of events, webinars, content, uh, the kind of execution stuff. Do you see that that's something that you wouldn't be able to um, 
be without having that local resource for for marketing we've been without it for a long time so we, we can live without it but it's not optimal um when it comes to especially the execution and like for example in the uk a big lead gen way for us is events going to events like marketing showcase and technology for marketing and the likes and just i don't think people appreciate how much work it does to actually organize an event or even go to one so like we could live without a local resource but it's not optimal because then it's a time away from something else also salespeople aren't typically very good at writing content unfortunately <laughs> yeah it's um, i'm it's interesting that you you say that and you mentioned that because obviously i mean uh, we talk to a lot of a lot of companies uh, and everybody who wants to go to a new market. It's always that question of, okay, should we devote marketing resources in these countries as well, and how much, and and so forth. Yeah. So it's always a, a balancing act um, for for companies. So would you actually say that um, when it requires physical, uh, you know, attention, then like events, events then it's probably something that you would actually need a local marketer to take over. I'm sure if need is the right mm. word, but it, it helps massively. Um, and on top of that, just like localizing stuff doesn't just mean translating stuff. Like when I do content for English buyers, like buyers from the UK, we need to speak their language. And it's not just writing like perfect English from Finland, that's not the same thing. <laughs> they think differently, they act differently, they react to different stuff differently. So we need to be able to localize what we're saying and localize the messaging as well. And it's not very easy for a non-native person or somebody who's not done it mm -hmm. for a while. So in that sense, I think a local resource, it doesn't need to be on the ground. Like you can have a local resource, you can have an English resource in Spain, it doesn't matter, but just having somebody who knows the market well, who knows the people, who knows how to speak to them, it does help. Yeah, yeah, I love that response. I love it. Translation is not the same as localization. Okay, so you are a salesperson and uh, most of our listeners are SaaS marketers. Um, what would be your advice for them? What can they actually do to best support? their um, go-to market efforts in their companies. I made a post about this uh, in LinkedIn as well a while back about we ran a webinar and we asked about 150 marketers if they go to client meetings and about 70% of them don't go at all or go less than once a month. And I'm just gonna, my, I'm gonna leave my advice as a question format. So how are you gonna know what the clients need and how they think if you never speak to them? Amen. <laughs> I love you. Yes. I, I don't want to turn this into a marketing versus sales and marketing and sales silo rant. Uh, there are places for that, but gosh, I wish that marketers would talk to, you know, customers more and take part in sales meetings and sales calls and so forth. So. And it's so easy. I mean, just go to meetings and talk to each other. And have the same KPIs. That's really my thing. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's move to. Hold on. Yes. Did you say the same KPIs already, or did you just talk about the sales meeting? I didn't. That. But 
I didn't say anything, but that you should have seen KPS as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say it, no. No, but you should have same KPIs. Okay, can we yes. can we do that so that we'll give a prompt to them? Okay. Okay, so in addition to going to sales meetings, do you have something else um, that you uh, want to advise marketers about? Well, I think overall sales and marketing should have same KPIs. Like at the end of the day, it's probably revenue, which matters, growth. That's what we're here for anyway. So you should be aiming for the same things, then you're kind of forced to work in the same team. And apologies for the baby crying on the background. He's not happy for some reason right now. Um, about the KPIs, this is always something that I wonder uh, if, if marketing and uh, sales should have only the same KPIs or if there should be something that is different, they have different as well. Do you have uh, an opinion on that? I'm not saying to have only the same KPIs and obviously it depends on kind of overall the role of marketing. And if you're doing some big rebranding, for example, or thinking about positioning and so on, you can then have same KPIs only. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to the kind of revenue driving side of things, what you're aiming for is revenue at the end of the day and how you get there is different but you're working towards the same target or should be working towards the same target and then how you kind of break that into actions and kind of smaller kps that it's a different thing than sales can be targeted on how many activities or meetings they have for example um but we're not we're not targeting activities for the sake of activities or meetings for the sake of meetings what we want to achieve by having more meetings is to generate more revenue. So at the end of the day, it's all the same kind of, should be the same end goal anyway. Okay. But typically it's not, unfortunately. I have to ask, I'm not sure if you are willing to tell us, but... No, I won't ask you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you, uh, do, does Lidu's sales and marketing have the same KPIs? Yes and no, okay. partially. We're getting there better and better. We have like marketing has uh, like marketing has a sales target is a funny way of saying it, but we have like marketing initiated deals per month or per quarter as well as a target amongst other things. Um, so yes, but I think it could be measured even better. This concludes part one of our chat with Teemu Ilola, VP of Sales Operations at Lidu Technologies. If you're listening to this right after we release the episode, you'll have to wait for another two weeks to listen to the rest of our chat. In part two, we'll cover the challenges Teemu and his team faced as Lidu grew and successfully entered new markets. Alternatively, you can already watch the full episode on Advanced B2B's YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. 